Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio and ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny taking care of us behind the glass. And I am sure most of you are in a food coma right now with all the freebies that you're able to get thanks to Philip Forsberg and the Nashville Forsbergs last night. Uh, (laughs) Glenn, that game was a great response to what happened in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Uh, John Hines said he gave the team some mental health days just to reset and everything. And you have Philip Forsberg since returning from injury, has just been lights out with production and goes out and has a four-goal game that gets Predators fans, here we go, four tenders at all Hattie B's, a 12-ounce free Frosty or Frosty Chino, a famous star burger with cheese from Hardee's, queso at Mo's, and a donut from Twice Daily. I mean, that's... How many did you... How many did you... Uh, take them up on how many did you just a frosty so far okay still some time yeah there's still time there's still time today but that's that's a lot of free promotions i know (laughs) i mean so many things happened for that to happen i mean the shutout a hat trick i mean some the four goals i mean that's a lot of things that had to happen to get all those free things yeah fans last night oh my gosh like you said i mean there was no better way for the nashville predators to respond yeah to to come up with a butt whooping there's no other way especially (laughs) Against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh my God. That reminded me of the good old days where, <laughs> where as you know, the, the Predators owned the Blue Jackets in the early days when they were mm-hmm. Central Division quote unquote rivals. And I mean, they still own them in terms of overall record because the Nashville Predators' record against the Columbus Blue Jackets now after last night's 6 0 win, uh, they played against each other 96 times. The Predators are 66, 22, 1, and 7. Oh, wow. <laughs> Talk about an excellent winning percentage against Columbus. And then you look at the home record for the Predators against Columbus Blue Jackets. They played 50 games at home. Mm-hmm. The Predators are 46, 1, and 3. 40. How did I not realize it was that extreme? <laughs> one. <laughs> 40 out of 50 oh, games at home word. against the Blue Jackets. And then in, in a fashion like last night. Yeah. I mean, not just winning a game, but just absolutely winning Destroying a game. Destroying them. <laughs> yeah. Chasing a goaltender in the first period. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it was so funny. One of my buddies on my hockey team, on the Mighty Drunks, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy Schwartz, shout out to him. He's a Blue Jackets fan. He's from Columbus. He's okay. even like a Reddit moderator for the Blue Jackets. Oh, I love it. Subreddit there. When I put out my tweet of, this feels like the good old days of the quote-unquote rivalry. If you know, you know. He goes, oh, I know. (laughs) And he was so sad coming into the locker room last night for our 11-15 puck drop. He was so sad, I don't even want to talk about it. It was a bad sports weekend because Ohio State lost. Oh, that's right. He's also also, uh, a Steelers fan, and they got whooped by Cincinnati. guy? And no, not poor guy. No, it's tough when you have a, when your sports team's <laughs> whatever. Over. His team's been used to winning. Give him before. one of your prizes. Give him the Hardy something or other. <laughs> give, give him. You give get him the Gold Star Burger, Schwartz. <laughs> oh boy, but let let's look at this. Philip Forsberg is just on a tear and ching contract year uh, mm-hmm. for him. And I saw go dive right into this. I saw how plenty of people were giving Adam Vingan some hell. On Twitter, because he's talking about trading Philip Forsberg and everything, too. He's like, well, you should trade him now. But let's go ahead and talk about this. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what the future is going to hold for him, and if he's performing like this, and it's consistent, because I said last night on the pregame show with Darren McFarlane, that this is great when you have a big game. This is the pregame show where I mentioned the word hat trick. 
like, I even said the word, and he went out and scored four goals. Oh. It's like, look, it's great to have a big game, but it's consistency is what he needs right now to yeah. really push it forward. Is you know, not just a three goal game here and there, but a goal here, two assists here, another goal. No, no long breaks of seven or eight games without a point. If Warriors were going to keep that up, that's great. But if there's no sign of re-signing, his trade value is going to be so high at the trade deadline mm-hmm. that you should get you, you should get a king's ransom in return. So I, I want to know what you think about that as well, Glenn, because I know a lot of people are like, no matter what, you, you keep him, you try to resign him. But can you imagine if they lose him like they did Ryan Suter for nothing when they could have traded it for something? I know. And I mean, you bring up the most valid point. And I think it's you're always going to have people who read an article by Adam Vingen who gives <laughs> the opposite side and just presents the scenario of, hey, Maybe it's not the best idea to, to re-sign him, okay? Because that is a possible scenario that it's very plausible. What Adam Vingen said makes sense mm-hmm. in the sense of if you're looking at a Matt Duchesne or Ryan Johansson contract right. and you're Philip Forsberg's people and you're saying, well, I don't know, maybe he's, maybe he's performing better than them. We need more than this. I mean, cap space is not really a not issue, issue. But yeah. at the same time, that's something that the National Predators have to sit and think through. So you're always going to have people who are just like, no, no, when you present the other side of anything. you mm-hmm. know. But at the same time, if a player is going to leave, you want to get something fantastic in return, especially a Philip Forsberg. You do not want to let him go without getting something big in return. So it's just... It's going to be difficult. It I mean, is. It you is. You start getting to January, February, you start evaluating where this team is at and everything too, which they're going to still, I think, believe be in that bubble area whether they're in a playoff spot or not. It's going to be difficult to pull the trigger on mm-hmm. something because if if it's all going to take a, a streak of a few wins, then all of a sudden you're in the playoffs mm-hmm. and they'll always pull the, well, you never know what happens in the playoffs, which is true. You, you never know what happens yeah. in the playoffs. But if all of a sudden Forsberg, who could very well be w- willing to re-sign, but still wants to hear his other options first. I mean, look at Mikel Granlund. Kind of what happened. You saw what the other offers probably were. And it's like, no, Nashville's still going to be the better offer. And came back and re-signed with Nashville. Yeah. And that's part of their rights as a player. They have oh, totally. the right, he's to, earned that right to do that. Yeah. yeah. He's earned and that right to do it's that. It's not a knock on Nashville if any player on Nashville decides to just look at what else is possibly out yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of fish in the sea. There are. <laughs> well, actually, there's 31 other fish in the sea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's 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 going to be interesting to see what happens there because that's the last thing this team needs to do is losing for nothing, especially in a time when they're quote unquote rebuilding a little bit by going young, not a full rebuild by any means because mm-hmm. the moves have been made, but in a process of changing the look of this roster where if you're able to get a good return, it could boost that <laughs> rebuild much more quickly compared mm-hmm. to letting them go for nothing. So it is a very difficult situation. I'm not saying one way or another what should happen because we don't know yet. Once we get close to the trade deadline, that's when I think you're going to be able to figure out what's going on there. But Philip Forsberg, his fourth goal was also his 400th point. He did that in 510 games, which is well over 100 games less than it, what it took Martin Erat mm-hmm. to get to that point. Uh, as we all know, that trade's been won. <laughs> You think, Justin, as we're sitting here talking about Philip Forsberg scoring four goals last night, you think that the Predators I think won, the Preds that won that trade? I, I, I think, think we can finally officially we can say finally put it you to heard rest it here on Penalty Box Radio. The, the, the <laughs> Preds won that trade. Uh, now you can all rest easy. But it was it you know aside from for the Forsberg, Mikhail Granlund. Who? 
what he's been doing and I think it's obviously we need to talk about him but it's being shadowed because you typically are always talking about the goal scorer right that's just normal Mm -hmm. that the goal scorer is going to get more of the the press on it because that's the that's the sexy thing to talk about as a goal scoring but Mikhail Glenlin with what he's been able to do with dishing everything out he had a primary assist on all four of Forsberg's goals that's extremely impressive because that doesn't happen. I mean, mm-hmm. the NHLPR even put that out. That that's it doesn't happen that often. And Mikhail Granlin is now at 25 points on the season. Only five goals, but 20 assists. He is lighting it up. And at that point, he is tied for second overall in the league in assists at 20 with three other players. Only two assists behind Connor McDavid. Yeah, and we talk often about how oftentimes players can get overlooked if they're not in the goal column, right. but we talk often about players on this team who are making other players better, and that is a fine example of that. That consistency who might be overshadowed in the headlines, mm-hmm. but that consistency of not only Philip Forsberg scoring four, but Mikael Granlund all four. That's it. Like you said, the PR even said, that's insane. That doesn't happen, but he's consistent. He goes in night in and night out, and he makes those around him better, and that's what he continues to do and it's very 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 exciting to watch and and it's the kind of thing too this isn't the type of stat that you would talk about 10 games into the season because mm-hmm. things are still feeling it feeling it out but the predators have played 22 games this season that's a quarter of the over a quarter of the way through the season now mm-hmm. this is relevant to be discussing where these players are at so glenland with 25 points puts him at sixth overall in the league in point production Mikel glenland yeah so it took this long <laughs> to get to the point to where it's like, okay, this is what you've been waiting for. This is what Preds fans have been waiting for since that trade, mm-hmm. as well as this type of production to see how he makes, like you said, people around him so much better, his vision on the ice, and he's wearing an A this mm-hmm. season two. I mean, it is a whole new level from what we've seen from him in the past. This is what you saw from Glenland back in Minnesota yeah. was this type of production, and you're getting it right now, and this is... This is great for him because it makes that contract look even better, mm-hmm. makes it look great. And he's making people around him better as well, but it's showing, too, that he has the right vision. And Forsberg, obviously, is you know, playing off. You know, anybody could have scored those goals. No, they could not they have. Could have. No. Phil, I, last night in my game, people had wide open nets, and a couple of them just <laughs> Craig Smithed it. So it's not it's not an easy thing to score a goal in the NHL, and he scored four, and he was set up by, by a tremendous playmaker in Mikhail Glanlin. I don't want to let that slide because I know people are like, well, look at Look what he's doing. Four apples. Primaries. Yeah, which is huge. It's big. And then you look at the rest of the game, too, that's kind of overlooked or some of the other goals, like Yakov Trenin. <laughs> he had a beautiful snipe as well. Yeah. And Colton Sissons and Tanner Janot, who were just on Smashville Live as well, got the assist there, too. So overall, it was a very, very good game. And you saw it getting chippy as well. And it makes me miss the days of when they're division rivals, mm-hmm. as well as how chippy it was getting out there. I mean, plenty of penalty minutes. I mean, Columbus racked them up uh, to plenty of two minutes. Uh, you had two fights out there. Tanner Janot, not, not too much. Yeah, frustrated. frustrated. So it's it was, that was a good game for them. And now plenty more home games coming up. I mean, this is a home game heavy week again for the Natural Predators, uh, just like last week, and it'll be curious to see what happens with that. So we have a great rest of the show uh, coming up for you. We're going to talk some college hockey, talk more about the Preds. But first, up next, we have Julian Yang. He's with Vanderbilt Hockey because, hey, we've talked about MTSU hockey. We've talked about Tennessee hockey. Let's go ahead and finish off the trifecta of talking about college hockey teams here in Tennessee with Vanderbilt. And then after that, we'll have Sean Smith of On the Forecheck to talk about the Predators a quarter way through the season. So all that up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game.
Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny helping us behind the glass. And hey, let's talk college hockey. As I said before, we, we've talked about MTSU, talked about Tennessee. Let's talk about Vanderbilt now, the hometown team here in Nashville, Vanderbilt Hockey. We have Julian Yang. He's the club president for Vanderbilt University Hockey. Julian, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So let's just dive right in here. What has the experience for you been like this season where it's a little bit closer to normal? We're actually able to play hockey this season. I know last year's a little bit weird. So just what's that been like for you to be able to be back playing competitive hockey again? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, we've gotten about eight games in uh, so far for the fall, um, and it's definitely been a lot better uh, compared to last year. I mean, you know, we had our season canceled by club sports. Um, so, um, you know, with all the protocols going on, so, you know, being able to play competitively, uh, being with the team, you know, that's been a def- like a big highlight, um, you know, just being, uh, you know, having familiar faces on campus too, so. Oh, absolutely. And so looking at your schedule, I mean, you played uh, Huntsville, Alabama, MTSU, Ole Miss. Let's look at that MTSU one it's fun to talk about the kind of the crosstown rivals, the two Fordyce centers, the, the home and home series. What's that like being able to play MTSU as being a part of the conference and knowing that those games when you're playing, whether it's in Antioch or in Bellevue, that those games mean even more now than they probably used to in a few years ago? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we have uh, fans from both sides uh, giving the energy to the game. I mean, we have really competitive. That, those two games are definitely really competitive. Um, you know, the back and forth, uh, lots of physicality and uh, high energy. So just like any rivalry game, I mean, it's, it's just been a pleasure to play. Julian, you touched briefly on the pandemic last year, obviously just how things were so different. So if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you finished high school and started college in the beginning of the pandemic, right? Pretty much, yeah. So, So not only wanting to go pursue hockey, athletic videography, I know you do that as well, covering socio-political mm-hmm. issues within the United States, you do a lot. So obviously you were starting off this new chapter of your life during an unprecedented time. So I just wanted to talk to you personally about what was that like for you, embarking on a new chapter of your life during this pandemic while you were trying to pursue these things that you set out to do? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Vandy definitely did a great job adjusting to COVID. So, I mean, all the opportunities, you know, obviously were a little bit different uh, than a normal year like it's now. But I think, you know, just uh, having an open mind and just wanting to, to do new, try new things. Um, and obviously, you know, having that freshman year uh, being a little bit different, I think, um, is better than just having, you know, the normal college experience to compare to. Um, you know, like coming in this year was definitely a big adjustment. But, you know, if... All I saw was last year was just um, a pandemically adjusted year. So I think, uh, you know, that was that was definitely, you know, I, I think definitely wasn't as, as bad as it could have been. And, uh, you know, just having an open mind throughout the years. And looking at the hockey part of your career, looking at schedules for college teams as opposed to, let's say, the AHL or the NHL, college players, they have this break this time of year and they resume play in January. So, and we all know that once a team kind of starts to get into a rhythm, it can be kind of tricky just to jump back into that. But a break can also, you know, provide much needed rest and a reset. So, I wanted to get your take on what is that like for a team and its players from both a mental and a physical standpoint when you take that month long break? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we have a lot of momentum uh, finishing our Ole Miss game right before Thanksgiving break. And, uh, you know, with finals looming around the corner, I think guys. Um, you know, putting it, putting hockey aside for just a couple of weeks while, you know, they prioritize academics. But, um, you know, with the winter break uh, coming up right after, I think, 
you know, guys are excited to play in January and uh, knowing that, you know, there's a big break. I think guys are definitely uh, responsible, um, you know, getting back into it now that, you know, finals week is over. Um, and so just, you know, kind of leading team morale, just getting the team excited for uh, playing competitive hockey in January uh, and just knowing that, you know, we're finishing the fall season up, fall semester up with a uh, lot of momentum going in. And again, Julian Yang's the club president for Vanderbilt Hockey, joining us on Penalty Box Radio. So not only are you a hockey player, but as Glenn said, you're involved in everything else. I mean, you're a videographer for Vanderbilt Athletics, uh, also journalism too. What is it like for you balancing all this, uh, being a, a, a college athlete, but also filming for, for college athletics and your, your academics as well? What is that proper balance like for you and just how do you tackle that every day? Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely been a learning experience. You know, without hockey last year, uh, it was just video academics, and you know, it, it wasn't as much of a as much of a toll. I think uh, just kind of like figuring it out, uh, learning how to prioritize and time management, and just being on top of my work has definitely uh, given me the time it takes to commit to hockey and playing, and um, you know, coming coming up coming to the rink uh, and just just being ready to compete. And so looking at the team, Vanderbilt's a unique specimen when it comes to the college hockey teams in the South, because especially like MTSU and, and Tennessee, there was a good amount of kids that are coming from Middle Tennessee that maybe played, played high school together or played against each other in high school. But Vanderbilt, especially being the school that it is, has uh, players coming from all over the, the U.S. And, and internationally sometimes as well, too. What is it like to have that makeup in terms of building a team culture when everyone is from different parts of the country? And how exciting is that, too, to learn about different people and their experiences in hockey before they came to Vanderbilt? Yeah, that's definitely a uh, really big, uh, one of my favorite parts about the team, uh, just knowing that, you know, everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has a different hockey background. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, when people show up to campus, you know, they want to find uh, like-minded um, people. And especially when it comes to hockey, um, just as, you know, thinking about hockey all the time with the team, you know, that, that brings everyone together. Um, and I think, you know, when you're coming into an environment where you don't know anyone, um, you know, it's easier really to bond when you have that hockey connection uh, in be- with within everyone. No, it absolutely is. And so looking at you guys that play at Fordyce Center Bellevue and everything, what's that experience been like playing at a rink like that too? Because I know not every college club hockey program has the, the, the ability to play at a facility that's like that. Oh, it's unreal. I think, uh, you know, you look at ice quality, you look at just how nice the facilities are, um, and com- not just compared to club teams in the South, but just anywhere else. And I think, you know, we're really fortunate that the guys over at Ford, you know, can give us that opportunity to play there. Um, you know, having our own locker room, having, you know, having um, priority and, and getting ice um, and whatnot. So I think a lot of it owes to, um, you know, just have, having that connection and having the relationships that we do with the rink and the rink staff. Um, and then just people, you know, being excited to skate on a, in a facility like that every night. I can only imagine. Well, before we have to let you go, we always do this, especially for first-timers on the show. We have lightning round get-to-know-you questions. So <laughs> here's your opportunity to, to answer some questions from Glenn that to help our audience get to know you a little bit better and for your teammates to make fun of you later for. <laughs> oh, sounds great. <laughs> okay, your favorite cake flavor? Ooh, uh, I have to go with vanilla. You know, I'm kind of basic with that, but that's just <laughs> basic. You know, back to basics. When are you most productive, in the morning or in the evening? 
I like to think I'm a morning person, um, but I've found lately that uh, staying up has, has gotten me the extra boost I need. <laughs> okay. Um, if you came into contact with a miniature hippo... <laughs> Sorry. If you came in contact with a miniature hippo, um, oh gosh, I messed that up. I'm, we're going to go to another. We're going to go to another. Oh Summer God. or winter time? Summer or winter? Uh, winter. Okay. Definitely. Okay, here it is. Would you rather come face to face with a miniature hippopotamus or a giant cockroach? They're both in a bad mood. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I don't like cockroaches as they are already, so I'm just going to go for the mini hippo. Okay. Okay, cats or dogs? If you have to pick dogs. one. Dogs, dogs. Okay. Um, Let's see. If you could travel back in time, what period of time would you go to? Ooh, that's uh, that's a great question. Um, Honestly, uh, 1980s. I just want to watch, you know, the U.S. Miracle uh, team in person. I think that'd be pretty good. Yes. Oh, that's a winner question right there. That is a winner. Okay. If you had to pick invisibility or super strength, which would you pick? Ooh. Uh, I'd have to go with invisibility. That that seems super cool. All right, movie movie time. Godfather or Star Wars? Godfather. All right. I like it. All right. Well, Julian, you passed the test. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to know if we, you would pick hippopotamus or a cockroach. Yeah, that, so you that, that was good. the big one. That was the big one. <laughs> Hippo, <laughs> All day. All day. <laughs> <laughs> well, Julian, best of luck the rest of the season. So excited. Uh, and then, folks, where can where can people come and watch you play hockey? Yeah, I mean, we play all our home games at uh, Fort Ice Center, um, and we'll post all of our schedule updates to our social channels. Um, so, you know, definitely come out, come out, come out and support. Uh, we love your energy. We love your, uh, you know, love your presence at the rink. Awesome. Well, Julian, thanks so much for joining us, man. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Julian Yang, Vanderbilt University Hockey. You can find more information at VanderbiltHockey.com. They have their full schedule up there, and you can see when they have more home games. Uh, another home games are going to be coming up in January. They have Boston College coming up second weekend in January, and then they have Clemson coming in the first weekend of February, and then they'll play MTSU in February again. That's down at Fordyce Center, Antioch. So plenty of games coming up for Vanderbilt Hockey. All right. Up next, Sean Smith on the forecheck to talk about the Predators again. Let's get his perspective a quarter of the way through the season. Glenn and I gave ours a little bit, but let's get, let's get an outside perspective from Penalty Box Radio. Let's go to Sean Smith. I know he's been listening. Uh, we'll talk to him up next. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny. We jamming. You better one of, know it. One of these days, I'm going to do an Instagram live of you dancing back there, Ken, because he has... He, you got the moves. Hey, I'm with you. You need to do that, because I be jigging back here. You're baby. such a good dancer. <laughs> Even when you're sitting in a chair, you have good dance moves. I got good chair rhythm. I, I, <laughs> I almost thought it was going to be one hippopotamus for Christmas because of what Julian said. I, I know. He said hippos that, That's not day. a jam-worthy song, though. That's definitely not a jam-worthy song. All right. <laughs> let's talk more about the Natural Predators. Uh, my buddy from the press box joining us, Sean Smith of On the Forecheck on the line. Sean, how you doing, man? 
I'm doing great, Justin. How are you? Doing just fine. Oh, and should mention also that you do take part in Renegades of Puck from our buddy Charlie Sonia as well. You're all over the place, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened, but I'm enjoying it very much. <laughs> I'm glad you are. So it's it's been an interesting experience for the National Predators this year. I mean, uh, we've been seeing how they could start the season, how they went on that, that streak, and how they can respond as, as well to what happened on Colorado with the game they had last night. A quarter of the way through the season, let's just get the overarching broad viewpoint here from you. What's your take on the Nashville Predators? What do you think their identity is right now? And kind of where do you see them progressing uh, if they kind of keep into the rhythm that they have where they win a few, lose a few? Well, you know, they said very early on, I mean, even before the season started, that they wanted to be a team that was going to be hard to play against. And I think that's an identity that the team has had before uh, in previous iterations. And getting back to that whole concept is a very positive thing. Now, as far as actually execution on that plan, I think you saw – some really good flashes of that early on. However, you start getting into some of these games, such as the game against Montreal, which I would consider to be a very winnable game that turns into kind of a nightmare on the ice for the team. And so that's where you want to start looking at, okay, is this going to be a team that when they come up against these, you know, these games that should be easy wins, are they going to be able to blow through these teams or are they going to get kind of stuck playing down in the mud with them. And and if they're a team that can be hard to play against against every team and they can pull off those wins against those easy-to-beat teams, or at least what I think should be easy-to-beat teams, then I think you'll see that the season's going to be much better than if they continue to struggle and go about 50-50 on those toss-ups. And Sean, you wrote a great piece on last night's game against Columbus and mentioned one of the most noticeable differences early on in the game was how the Preds managed to clog up the neutral zone, resulting in some turnovers, something we don't see a ton of night in and night out from this team. How do you think this strategy played into the Preds' plan of attack for last night? And aside from the resurgence of Philip Forsberg, what gave the Predators such an edge last night? Well, I mean, that's that's fun to answer considering I have to take Philip Forsberg out of the equation. Um, you know, I, I think I really paid attention early on to the transition game, the play through the neutral ice, because that was something that seemed to be a big emphasis in practice earlier in the day. And you really noticed a big difference where you saw them clogging up the neutral zone, keep making it really hard. And, you know, that whole concept, like we mentioned before, of being a team that's hard to play against, you want to be a team that makes it really hard to let the other team get into your zone and start attacking. So being able to clog that up and being able to make it harder for them to get a clean zone entry, forcing, you know, dump ins and things like that, that all goes into, you know, winnable puck battles as well as when you're playing a heavy defensive game in the neutral zone, you can steal a lot of pucks. You can force a lot of turnovers and that can lead to some two on one, some odd man rushes, some breakaways. And you saw that starting to happen. Now I I mentioned in the article that you, you brought up, as the game kind of got out of hand, I think the strategy shifted. But I feel like that strategy, had it been employed against some of these heavier teams such as Vegas or Colorado, you might have seen different results on the ice. And it's something I want to see the team do more of moving forward. And, Sean, because we like you, now we can talk about Forsberg, okay? So, oh, good. <laughs> well, <laughs> while we know that the contract talks are happening throughout this season, what kind of effect do you think Forsberg's play last night, especially if it continues, is going to have on the contract conversations that David Poyle is going to have to have? Well, he's playing his cards close to his chest, and I don't blame him one bit. He was asked last night after the game about, you know, how, you know, how is he looking at things? And he said, look, I try to show up and do my best every day. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. It's not something he's going to 
really want to talk about too much. That's best left between agents and general managers and, and everyone on that side of things. But the better you have him playing, the more valuable he's going to be. And it just depends on, you know, unfortunately, where is the team as they approach the trade deadline? And if there's another team that's willing to pay out some really big, you know, maybe uh, maybe get a really good player, get something that's really going to sweeten the deal uh, down the road, they may be willing to unload him if they think they're not going to be able to afford him. And so you may just be saying, okay, let's enjoy the uh, offensive show while we've got it, and if we can't afford to keep it, let's try to cash in on it beforehand. Obviously, I'd love for him to be able to stay here because he's a very exciting player to watch. But we also know that there's been some ups and downs in his game the entire time he's been in Nashville. Again, Sean Smith of On the Four Chicken Renegades of Puck joining us on Penalty Box Radio. Uh, also in there, talk about Dante Fabro. And we were talking just in the press box uh, last night just about how who's, I was paired with Roman Yossi. And if he's not noticeable, that's kind of a good thing. So just putting out there, Dante Fabro, your thoughts on him being paired with Roman Yossi and what the expectations are for a player like that who's still young and has had a bit of a rough patch last season as well. Uh, but this season seems to be doing much better, especially when you look at some of those uh, uh, advanced stats uh, when it comes to puck moving as a defenseman yeah I don't I don't love the, the concept that he had a rough patch I mean and the reality is this is someone who made the jump directly from college hockey to the NHL mm-hmm. and has never looked back he hasn't had a full training camp under any coach until this season with John Hines he hasn't had a full season of hockey although he's been with the team for a long time and you're seeing a lot of those a lot of those growing moments, a lot of those you know, baby steps that have to be taken to go from, say, being a college player to an NHL player usually happen in the somewhat sheltered anonymity of the AHL. And that's not a luxury that's been afforded to Dante Fabro. So when you see him developing, um, you know, and I think I mentioned in the article, it's his mistakes that are glaring jump out a lot more than, say, someone else like Ben Harper, who is playing down on the third parent. He's not on the ice as much. And when it's a player like Favreau, who's been you know, very heavily touted as someone who they think is going to be a major contributor to the team, you, know, you have that doubt start to creep into the minds of fans. So you know, being paired with Yossi, the idea there is that you really shouldn't notice Favreau because you're going to be mesmerized by Roman Yossi doing what Roman Yossi does. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened last night. Um, Favreau did a great job moving the puck, and that's that's something that, you know, I think when we were talking at the game last night, you want to see what these guys are doing away from the puck. And what Favreau is doing away from the puck is getting into the exact right position he needs to be into to distribute the puck to guys who maybe uh, have a chance at a breakout or an odd man rush. And that's that's what you want as someone who can facilitate movement. If you look at that article that came out in The Athletic yesterday, it very surprisingly, I think, to a lot of people showed that Fabro was pretty high on the list of puck-moving defensemen. And that wasn't data from this season where you might say, oh, he's having a resurgence. It's from last season where a lot of people would have said he was having a rough patch. So I think it's kind of, it's kind of misleading. And I think he's a much better player than a lot of people have given him credit for. And I think that a lot of the growth you see in him this year is happening because of just all of the things that have led up to this point, all of the hard work he's done in the offseason to really round out his game. 
There's just something about, I think, hockey fans in general for any team and young defensemen where it's just like a target on their back. Uh, Seth Jones, it definitely happened there. It's happened multiple times where there's been targets on these kids' backs. Uh, Why aren't they the best yet? Uh, So it's always interesting to see how that develops. Uh, Looking at the poll that you ran, too, and I'm curious to to get your response. I mean, you ran a poll on where people expected the Preds to be at at this point in the season. Uh, The winning one with 51.5% was 6th or 7th place. The next one was 4th or 5th place. They've obviously done a little bit better than that but very few points separate a lot of these positions where in terms of your expectations going into the season knowing that they went from one of the oldest teams to one of the youngest teams getting a lot of youth involved as well but also on the other hand getting a full training camp with John Hines and his system and getting the the new coaching staff really just implanted in there as well too where are they in terms of your expectations versus reality right now they are almost exactly where I expected them to be And, and by that I don't mean sitting in third place a couple points out of second. I mean, they are a team that I think if they finish on the bubble or they finish making it into the playoffs maybe uh, as a wild card or something like that, you're going to view this as a, as a successful year for a young team that's kind of experiencing some growth. Like you said, they went from being one of the oldest teams to one of the youngest teams. And so I think your uh, idea of success has to be different based on – that exact thing. Look at it this year. They're young guys. They're growing. They're learning. They're coming together as a team for the first time. If they can make the playoffs, even if they barely make it in, I think that's a successful season. Um, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, as long as they're not mired down in seventh or eighth, where there's some pretty, pretty rough teams right now, then I think you can still look at it positively. Although I would say you'd want to see the team kind of squeak into the playoffs. Makes total sense to me. Before we have to let you go, I promised we'd ask about this. Yeah, I, I know you appreciate good intermission music. Well, good music in general. I know that. What's been one of your favorite bops that you've heard played by an intermission band? So I'm, I'm going to tell you one of the one of the biggest surprises for me, and I, I've really enjoyed this, is when Sam and the Mix are there and they play um, and they play Jungle Love by Morris Day and the Time. There we that go. That one really gets me going. You know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Prince and the Prince style of music and of course Morris Day and the time are uh, all over the Prince uh, situation in in uh, Minnesota so um, I've enjoyed that one of course with the small time rock stars there's a guitar solo medley that they play called the beast that when they break that out it just hits every note mm-hmm, of every mm-hmm. good rock uh, solo that you'd want to hear all at once um, and we, we joked on our four check podcast about we would like to see them play Freebird, which they don't play the full Freebird, but we'd right. like to see them play Freebird and let it spill over into like the third period um, and let the guys play for a while with the uh, dueling guitar solos. Oh my that. gosh. That would be something. <laughs> that would be something to experience. The band can't stand. The band can't stop. <laughs> no. All right. Well, Sean, we appreciate your insight, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, folks. That is Sean Smith of On the Four Chick. You can follow him on Twitter at SCSOTF. Just letters. It's really simple. Six letters. Be able it's to, not hard to, at all. Yeah, it's not hard at all. Uh, Sean Smith right on the Yeah, <laughs> so great analysis of the game last night and uh, just good catching up with him in the press box there. Uh, all right. Up next, we have some questions that came through on Twitter. So let us answer those. I know one of them is about the jersey, the Stadium Series jersey that is going to be released on Thursday, right before the home game for the National Predators. That up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny, jams. 
Mm-hmm. The jams. It's no Michael Man. Bolton, but it'll do. Always jamming. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, love Michael. I, know, I love Michael Bolton. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I knew we were vibing. Okay. Okay. He's the man. I mean, yeah, he is. <laughs> it's the hair. Oh. Before when he was younger. Oh, yeah. yeah the hair. He's always, yeah. Sweet mullet. Not so much sweet, these days, but sweet. I still love him. That sweet, sweet mullet look. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. curls get me... <laughs> Every time. All right. I'm sure you all saw the tease that came out on Predator's social media about the Stadium Series jerseys. And you can even tell that they know that people will be excited about the color of the jersey because people have been clamoring for something that is not gold-themed for a long time. I've wanted blue ever since that blue alternate that came out a decade, over a decade ago. Wow. I think that's why people are longing for it. People like myself. You kind of just want... You kind of just want that old school, simple yeah. Yeah. color scheme. It's It's been that long. But but Tyson asks, rampant stadium series sweater speculation. And go, basically. Oh, this is our buddy Tyson. This yeah. is my friend. So it's I'm, I'm very I'm excited because I see the word there's going to be laces. Yep. Very I'm vintage. Like, I'm like, it's going to go blue. I'm just curious what's going to be on the front. That's what's going to obviously sell it for me. But I'm not going to be one of those people that is like, oh, my God, it's blah, 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 blah. I hate it. Whatever. I am. You, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just everything's going to come out because if you don't like this, there's going to be another one in a couple of years that you'll probably like. I mean, yeah, that's just how it is. There's yeah, always going to so be a New far, Jersey. So far, I like what I what I see. I right. like the more simplified color scheme. I like it when the gold is like an accent, looks like a final touch. It just brings you back to the to the days, right. you know. I did, I was, and I like the lace up, so it just looks it looks pretty classic. I saw some people say there better be checkerboards at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, the old blue thirds. You know, you know. Yeah, they have the checkerboard at the bottom, but it is one of those things that I, I know everyone still kind of is nostalgic over the the white alternates that did not happen. That we only saw at Nash Vegas. Mm. Those ones everyone oh, talks yeah. about because there are yeah. only so many made and those were just those are crisp. Yep. And I say the word crisp as in they were like chef's kiss. I think that kiss. we talked about that we had never appreciated or liked one as much as that. No, and we never got to see it in action. Yeah. It just never happened. We had, you had the blue, yep. then you had this white one that had like a good touch of silver in it as well, oh, too. Oh, so good. Oh, man. To see those in action would have been awesome. I know. But alas, it was not meant to be. So we'll <laughs> see. So we'll see. Thursday at 5 p.m. is when they're going to get revealed in the Bridgeton Arena Plaza. So right before the game, uh, I'm very curious to see what it looks like. I know Stadium Series jerseys sometimes get out there. Adidas takes as an opportunity to not be classic, <laughs> like they are in the winter classic this jerseys. Is very true. So very curious to see the the route they take with that. Okay, the next one is from oh good friend Sam at AZRU12. Uh, have the real Preds shown up? Or are we still figuring out the identity? Hmm. I, I think, think they I, have. Th- I think this is the real Preds. This yeah. is this is what you have right now in the season. Which talking with Sean Smith in the last segment, this is what the team is. They're, you're going to have some ups and downs. They're exactly. young. They're going to figure things out. There's going to be opportunity. There's going to be times when they're doing everything they can, but just can't score one. And there's going to be times where they do this. What yeah. they did with six nothing. Because over there's team. teams all throughout the league in all sports that have figured out their identity. They're very true to that. They know it, but it's sports. And you're going to have games that just don't work out, Mm -hmm. that you can't get it together. And then you're going to have games like last night where you completely obliterate the other team. And and I will say this. I do think the Predators are a more difficult team to play against than they were last year or the year before. Mm -hmm. Because they've gone the route of if you're going to have some physicality, they better be able to contribute in other ways too. 
it's not physicality for the sake of physicality. It's a Tanner Janot who can still have a great pass or, or pot a goal. It's a Yakov Trenin who can definitely score a goal and can snipe it in, but also, you know, bull rush you yeah. as well on the ice. That's the, that's the more difficult to play against. And difficult to play against comes from being in net as well. And Yusuf Saros has had a good season so yep. far. That makes you difficult to play against when it's tough to beat a goalie. Granted, that was his first shutout, which is still kind of surprising with how well he's played overall. But the team in front has a lot to do with that, too. So I think this is what the Preds are this season. They're going to be right in the gray area. You don't know. They're going to go on streaks of both ways, which we've already seen this season. And it'll be important to them just how they respond, how Absolutely. these young guys respond, how they can step up. If they can get more secondary scoring, it'll be very vital. Mm-hmm. Team, if they can figure out secondary scoring, then you could see a much better wave come from this team. But right now they're so top-heavy, which is okay as a young team. But the young guys, just they really do need to figure that out. Yep. Okay, Bradley asks, going with the flow and not expecting much from this group has worked so far. Should they change the expectations or keep them the same? Keep them the same. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just go exactly with the flow. Exactly like what we just said. Yep. Just, just let it ride. Let it ride and enjoy the ride. I've seen this post actually. Uh, it's a good post in National Predators Facebook. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to just kind of you know, let it ride. Enjoy yeah. what it is for what it is to where you're, you're growing. You have some young guys who are getting experience and hopefully you see some more of the young guys from Milwaukee come mm-hmm. in. And, and get experience as well, which I'm sure will just naturally happen over the course of a season. Uh, but you saw this team could win without Philip Forsberg. Not saying that they don't need him, saying they showed they can win, mm-hmm. but it also shows the other level they could be at if Forsberg is on fire. Yep. And don't ever forget my my semi-depressing life advice I gave Jack Woods on the air before oh when I said, if you have zero expectations, you'll never be disappointed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, speaking of Jack Woods, he did ask a question for us as well. The question oh, is, yeah, he did. which song is more catchy, The Power of Love or It's Raining Men? Okay, for me, The Power of Love, 100%, which is very funny and timely that he asked this because i made an instagram reel last night about 90s commercials 90s music commercials and power of love was on there uh-huh. um and michael bolton that's actually that's ties all in power of love 100 percent. what about you justin see <laughs> in terms of catchy in terms of catchy so here's the thing is he talking about the power of love by celine dion yes okay hmm but there's also the power love by Air Supply. No, he's talking about Celine Dion. Okay, then I think it's going to be the power of love, because when that is coming on, it is one of those ballads when you're in your car. Yep. And you're just like you're you're going, you are going. You're going. And I've seen Celine Dion in concert in Vegas. She put on a fantastic show. Oh, did you really? Yeah, no, a few no, no. years ago. Oh my gosh. Years ago, Alex I'm jelly. I, I would love that. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful show. Did she sing that? Yeah, <laughs> no, it was a joke. That's why I looked at you like that. Um, yeah, I yeah, think that's great. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's raining men is like the fun song, hallelujah, but it's not catchy to I me. I can't, and me either. I'm not going to be in I the car and for, that comes on. And I'm just singing along. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I can't wait for him to tell us that it was Air Supply that he was talking about. <laughs> and he's like, but we all know that Justin went to a Celine concert and loved that song, so that's great. Well, yeah, I know. She's, great. She's funny. I go. She's fun. She's fun. Okay. This one comes from Johnny. Uh, <laughs> starts off with a funny and then maybe a serious. Uh, can we confirm slash deny if Forsberg has scored another goal since last night? Mm, oh, I funny. don't know. <laughs> but in all seriousness, Craig Nog, a.k.a. Craig Smith, is getting a decent tribute and no booing tomorrow night, right? Uh, he better. I think you'll get a cheer and then we'll get a sucks. Oh, I just still don't think that should happen. 
I mean, that's just naturally going to happen. It's I not. I, it's not going to be like what happened with Subban, which I still don't. Which understand I don't that. get. But don't do that to Smitty, guys. Don't do that to Craig. It's Nog. weird. It's been so long. I mean, that's how long it's been since Boston's played. In I know Nashville. that doesn't even make sense in my brain, but time doesn't make sense lately. But, but, but Craig Smith coming back, and he deserves he deserves a big round of applause. And Boston will be without Brad Marchand and their coach. Mm-hmm. That's so, very true. One suspension, one COVID protocol. I know. <laughs> Yikes! So that'll be an interesting game. That's that definitely helps out the Preds to not have Brad Marchand playing against them. That that's for sure. And playing at home is definitely going to be a big thing for the Predators too. So. Uh, yeah, the the tribute video I think will be similar to something like what Victor Arvidsson received mm-hmm. as well. I'm sure we'll see the thing of the video of Craig Smith and friend shopping. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now wife, uh, Craig Smith and, and friend. friend. Uh, really? That's a th- okay. Uh, but anyway, it should be a fun game. Plenty of hockey. Uh, already looking forward to next week. We already know next week we're gonna have Scott Renton from Natural Fire Hockey, a good friend because they have a charity game coming up. So we'll have him on next week. And as always, if you missed any of the show, make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, Google Music, wherever you get your podcasts because we're on there. All right. Well, for producer Kenny and Glenn. I'm Justin Bradford. Thank you so much for listening to Penalty Box here to here on ESPN 1025 The Game.